take a walk with us down memory lane, or maybe help spark a conversation with a loved one about the way farms used to sound. With your Amazon device or Alexa app, say, Alexa, play country farm sounds and escape to a mid-1900s farm where they will take a walk during morning chores. This is the Friday, October 27, 2023 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. China's agreement to purchase U.S. grain along with a stoppage of shipment in the Black Sea balanced the trade. For the week, the nearby wheat contract lost 11 cents, while December corn cut 15 cents. China canceled a buy of Brazilian soybeans while harvest progressed under favorable weather in the soybean complex. The January contract was flat and December meal improved by $18.50 per ton. December cotton expanded by $1.98 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, November Class 3 milk futures decreased 65 cents. The livestock market was mixed as December cattle lost 240, January feeders cut 735, and the December lean hog contract put on 448. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index added 35 ticks. December crude oil sold off 308 per barrel. Comex Gold expanded 2480 per ounce, and the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index fell almost eight points to settle at 592.80. Joining us now, double analysis today, Sean O'Leary and Ross Baldwin. Ross, we'll get to hear from you in a minute. You get to hear Sean for a few. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for having me, Paul. All right. So, Sean, this good week, you, Paul. good to see you, but <laughs> there's an asterisk with this Kansas City wheat. What, why does that contract continue to be? such a drag on the complex? Uh, You know, I I think that wheat complex uh, price-wise kind of has a $5 corn problem, you might say. You know, Chicago Chicago just can't seem to to get above $6 and stay there. And, uh, you know, that that Kansas City contract isn't isn't any help for for any of it. Uh, We saw a decent rally in, in I, I wouldn't say it's, it was a decent rally in the wheat, but it was a rally, uh, kind of hard to find one period. Uh, but you look at the, the corn market as well, you know, trades ab- above $5 for what seems like 10 minutes and then, you know, just fades. When you look at wheat as a whole, and the, we just showed the chart where it has really kind of leveled out any volatility. Do you anticipate that continuing in that type of trading pattern for the foreseeable future? I, I do. And, you know, both uh, the corn and wheat, uh, historically, if you take some of the bigger news items out of the market, um, and there, there's not really anything that's a, a catalyst to, to move it, can spend six, eight, nine, ten months in a, in a range, you know? And uh, it might be a little bit of a, a, a wider range, but if you uh, look at some of the uh, put-and-call put premiums in both corn and wheat, those are cheap options. And I'm not saying they're necessarily good buy. Cheap options typically get cheaper. But that kind of gives you an idea of, of a lack of volatility in those markets. We just had a global story there about the World Food Prize, and we also have global events. But there's, there was this, this chatter that's been growing. We've lost interest as a market in what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and having any influence on the market. Do you buy stock in that statement? Well, I, 
I think that that's, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about the corridor being open right now. That has been kind of a, a back burner, uh, not much of a, a story there, really, uh, although it is a very, very important item. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate that those stories have mm -hmm. kind of fallen to the wayside with some other things going on. But What's influencing corn then the most for you right now? Well, it's uh, not really anything out of South America weather-wise. Um, you know, there's still some, some drought issues, uh, in particular with Argentina. Um, but, you know, not, nothing really moving the market to, to a great extent. Are we at a point right now where we've seen the harvest and it's a little higher than we anticipated and that's kept a lid on things? Uh, I think so. Um, you know, I've, I've got customers that want to re-own corn and uh, it, it hasn't been walking away from anybody. Uh, yeah, it's not like you have to be quick, quick on the draw with, with getting that done. Uh, and I, I think any rally for the time being is going to be kind of a shallow one. And, you know, if you see anything north of $5, I, I would say it looks like a, a good sale. Unless you're trying to feed some animals right now, Ross. Uh, do you see this as a buying opportunity for someone who's trying to feed some cattle? For someone that needs to get coverage for corn needs, I think corn's at a good value down here. I think futures, as Sean alluded to, I don't think we're really going anywhere in a hurry. But when you look at these corn futures around 480, if you can get your hands on it, which it's, it's hard at this point in the harvest, the farmers are putting it in the bins and locking the doors, but if you can get your hands on it, I think it's a, it's a good value. When you think about $5 corn, just say, it, it works. Your cost of gain works with $5 corn here. Sure. And I think the biggest thing that corn would have, say a month or two down the road from now, is basis improvement that cattle feeders and users need to be thinking about with corn. Do you have the sense that that was a factor in last week's cattle on feed report? The lower level of, of of corn, the anticipation of being sub five for a while? I think the biggest influence that corn has probably had on the fundamental aspect of cattle will be as you feed them a little bit longer versus what we had been when the cost of gain was running higher, when corn was say 550 to $6. But recently, no, I don't think that's been a huge influence on the market, but there's no question as corn gets cheaper, we will put more pounds on the cattle market. So we're gonna hold them a little longer mm -hmm. still because it pencils out? Yep, and with what, you, what we've seen recently up until this, this uh, latest meltdown, I would call it in the, the feeder market, it was cheaper here two months ago to keep cattle on feed that you had because your cost of gain was manageable than it was to sell them and then turn around and go buy high dollar feeder cattle. Now that, that's changed here recently. Mm -hmm. Things are moving, and things are also moving for live cattle, but I want to, I, I put Sean on the spot. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot in your first time here. Let's go Andy in Iowa. He has a question that he submitted. And, and Ross, it's looking forward into 24. What's the outlook on live cattle for late 24? Will we see them bounce back or hold steady? Late 24, my outlook is more favorable as you get out into 24. This cattle on feed report that we saw the 106% placements, the bulk of those cattle hit the Feb-March timeframe that we did add that the market wasn't expecting. I think we will pull those numbers ahead. We're current today. We've seen that in the cash markets this week. 
So I think we will pull those numbers forward. But as you work out into 24, keep in mind when we started last year in 23, we've got, we've got one of the, the smallest beef cow herds on record. Those, those numbers aren't increasing. We didn't magically just create more cattle last week in that cattle on feed report. The other thing to keep in mind is the USDA today is forecasting beef production to drop 6.3% into 24 versus 23. That takes 3.6 pounds per capita of beef out of the market. I think as we work through 24 out into Q2, Q3, and then even beyond, I think the market's got a much more favorable story than what we've been dealing with today, but it, it, it's hard to be totally bearish and doom and gloom with cash doing what it's done. Sean, do you, with, with your clients that aren't maybe still in cattle mm -hmm. or listening to what, what Ross is saying, how do you, I'm not saying help, but how do you take advantage from your side of the situation, knowing what the needs are in livestock areas? Well, if, uh, do you mean if you're a, a producer? Yeah. In, in the way of taking protection? Yes. Okay. Um, I've, got, I've got cattle producers that have done literally no hedging for some of them better than a couple of years. And I'm sure glad I wasn't the one pushing that on them. They've, they've done really well too. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're taking your chances, but that's the way that market's been. Uh, but, you know, not, nothing lasts forever, right? What goes up must come down. And uh, they, they had a, f a fairly good recovery this week. So I think, I think going forward, even though uh, there are st still some bullish uh, numbers out there, um, it, it's gonna be a little bit uh, uh, more of something that you might wanna entertain the thought of, put it that way. Uh, and if it's not an outright future sale, maybe you do something like covered, covered short calls, you know? And, and help me out here, Ross. I believe there's been some dramatic changes in both cash and futures here in livestock recently. Do you, do you see any of that changing anytime soon? The quickest change that we could see, I think, over the near term would be futures recovering. The cash market this week, we had some early panic selling, per se, in the week, and rightfully so when we were sure. down the daily limit on Monday with February. There was some early 183, some 184, but today we were trading 185 in the south and some 186 out in western Nebraska, which is right at last week's values. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I personally think cash is, we're on good footing. It shows how tight the market is, how current the market is. There's cattle being sold in the north that are going south for grading reasons. The cash market, I don't see that falling out of bed. It would have did it early this week if it was gonna. I think futures would be the thing that could maybe have the most movement. Mm -hmm. and hopefully it's a recovery. Mm -hmm. All right, Sean, let's go back to grains for a moment. Yeah. We'll get back to some more livestock here. I want to talk soybeans. Uh, okay. That's an interesting market because it just seemed like a couple of weeks ago the story was completely different. Yeah. What's changed? Yeah. Well, uh, going back to South America, the, you know, the, we're going to be trading the weather down there, but there's really not much weather to trade right now. Uh, the last stocks report that we had, that gave beans a pretty good bump. Uh, but going back to corn at $5, beans at $13, just can't seem to hold it, you know? They're, they're probably uh, probably gonna trade closer to 1250 
before they would uh, back to 13 or 1350. That 13 just kept lasting on the board longer and longer. So are beans and the teens here to stay for a while? I, I think so. I, I, think, uh, I think the downside on those are, are kind of limited for the time being. Um, you know, we've, we've, got, uh, we've got Argentina that's still got areas where they, they really need rain. You're not uh, really seeing a, a big rally in, in the market, but it's, it's plenty early. And I, uh, I think it's, it's way too early to, to assume that uh, things are gonna come off without a hitch down there. The, the weather in South America, yes, is a big story. However, we also had, I had written down that, uh, that corn was kind of squeezed between what was happening with wheat and what was happening with soybeans. And what was happening with soybeans was, it was China reneging on purchases in South America. So it wasn't a weather story at all. So I guess we have two pins in South America controlling our destiny on I, futures? I, I would say that's fair, that, that's fair. You know, China can cancel, but they're, they're gonna be right back at it, you know? And uh, it, it's, it's always better for us, obviously, if we're competitive price-wise with South, South America. And sometimes that takes a little while to, to come into play, but I think, I think we're there now. Uh, Pacific Northwest prices are, are where they need to be. So Yeah, the PNW is always a discussion point. Mm -hmm. Also, that meal has had a, a life of its own. First it was oil, then it was meal. What's the hog producer? Was this a response to some input changes, or we just had to bounce higher? Because it was pretty, pretty, dr pretty dramatic in soy and uh, hogs. I'll get the right commodity here. Hogs have certainly been on a downward spiral, and it's really interesting if you look at the the hog futures today on the close, and you look at what live cattle have done, they both, right now for the time being, going home this weekend, look like maybe a V bottom is in place, and very similar. Hogs, just the aggressive sell-off they've had, they were due for a bounce. We have seen decent hog exports out of the country recently, so we've priced a lot of bearish news in for the hog producer, and I, I do think, I don't think hogs are out of the weeds yet, but as we start working out through 24, I do think hogs do have a much better story down the road. How good of a story? I think the, the interesting part for hogs is when you get into the back half of 24, I think hog, we, we will see a much better number with, with tighter numbers, hogs, as we've been liquidating due to negative profit margins. There's just no question. So I think the, the hogs in the back half of 24 really get interesting with cattle prices in the back half of 24. And that's where cattle really got to come down for hogs to drop much lower. So I think the two of them can support each other as yeah. we start moving through yeah. 24. I, I think in the hog market, you could see a $10 rally pretty easy. You know? Over what time frame? Oh, uh, that can be accomplished in six or eight weeks, I would say. You know, they've had from, uh, I'm, I'm guessing here, but that December contract, if you go back to the highs from several months ago, that, that's probably, we're probably $20 off of that mm -hmm. level right now. I made him answer a 2024 question. I gotta make you do the same thing. All I right. wanna put a bow on some corn and beans contracts as we look forward into 24. Let's talk with Jim in Illinois and what he had uh, for a question. Sean, should we be selling 2024 corn and beans right now? I would uh, certainly entertain that thought, yes. 
Um, if you look at these rallies that have been shallow, I think those are the rallies you have to take advantage of. Uh, barring, you know, South American weather uh, changing dramatically, for example, uh, you know, there, there's just not a, a, enough of a catalyst to, to make you think that after you see a 30 cent rally in corn that you're gonna be leaving 30 cents on the table after that. So I, I would, you know, reward that rally uh, and, and the same with beans, you know. If you can catch it a little bit over $13, uh, that looks to me like an opportunity. You know, it, 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 it's something you, you kind of want to stick your toe in the water. You might want to uh, hold off on anything uh, overly aggressive, but I would entertain the thought of, a, of making some sales, yeah. All right. Well, guess what? We're going to step out of the pool for just a little bit. All right. We're not going to put any toes or arm. <laughs> we'll do that back at Market Plus. All right. Sean O'Leary, thank you very much. Russ Baldwin, thank you. Not so bad, right? Thanks, Paul. We'll get to know him more in Market Plus in a moment. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Hold on there because we are going to pause the analysis and continue our discussion about these markets. And like I said, get to know Ross a little bit in our Market Plus segment. You can find both analysis and plus on our website at markettomarket.org. We were producing the Market Plus and the Market Analysis Podcast before the concept was mainstream. Stick with us for those two offerings or explore Season 8 of the MTOM Podcast. Next week, new regulations shorten the path for genetically edited seeds. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.